Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hi there, welcome to Ireland's Birth Stories, a podcast where women can share their experiences with pregnancy and birth, a space created solely for women to share their experiences from start to finish without feeling shy about the detail. In this week's episode, I chat to Rana and she talks me through her three pregnancies and births. Rana had her first little boy in Turkey, so she chats to me about her experience there where men weren't allowed in the ward. It's quite similar to what we're going through now with COVID, um, but it was very much a C-section culture over there, which was driven by the consultant and also the women's mentality they just opt that's what they wanted as a c-section and that's not what Rana wanted so she went for an epidural and she talks us through her experience of that and then her second and third pregnancies her second pregnancy and um, she did make sure she was a little bit more knowledgeable but not as much as she was on her third pregnancy which is a very empowering story and I love the way she tells it and she made sure to to prep her husband so he had um, I'll let her tell you about the level of preparation they did as a couple but oh, it's really inspiring so thank you so much for coming on to share your story on Ireland's birth stories Rana if you wanted to start by giving us a little introduction yes so my name is Rana I've been living in Ireland for the past seven years I am a mom of three boys no girls <laughs> um, I'm living in Cork and I had three different absolutely births. Uh, two of them are in, in Ireland, in Cork and CUH, quite recent, and one almost eight years ago, but in Turkey, which was okay. uh, quite interesting too. Well, not really <laughs> traumatizing, I should say. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, um, so yeah, that's me in a nutshell. Okay, and was your first pregnancy planned? Yes, it was. Um, so it was with my ex-partner back then. And it was planned. Um, the pregnancy was tough because I had a severe cases of hypermesis gravidarium, meaning I was vomiting most of the time and wasn't keeping anything for about a month. So I was uh, bound to bed because I couldn't even move or do anything. So it was a tough pregnancy at the beginning. And then it kind of one morning I woke up and it was all gone. I got up and I didn't have to run to the bathroom. And then I got like 100% happier. <laughs> Yeah. You know, the small joys in life, all of a sudden, oh my God, I can enjoy all the food that I want. Um, and it was it was much better after that. Um, the third trimester was just the typical third trimester. So the first pregnancy, probably the first trimester hit me hardest. But other than that, it was quite okay. And so what, and did you have to go, go on medication at all in when you were going through the high premises? 
Yeah, well, because I was in Turkey, right, and I kind of a foreigner in Turkey, we kind of they don't have a specific medical system or insurances. So you show up to hospitals. There is a series of private hospitals in there. So we would go to a nearest hospital when I would have a you know the, the hardest time, and I would go, um, and doctor would see me, take my samples, the urine sample, whatnot, and just see how how much help I need at the moment, at that moment. And uh, I was under drip probably quite frequently every week or so uh, just to get the fluids in. Uh, but no, they never prescribed me anything. The medical system in there was quite different. And um, I picked my OBGYN and uh, stayed with a doctor, but then I gave birth in a totally different hospital and he wasn't my doctor. So I don't know. And I didn't speak the language. So mm-hmm. that kind of... Um, added on to the traumatizing event that had happened uh, because there was a lot of unknowns and I was too young and I thought all right I want a natural birth and that's what I wanted from the very start and and I was in a mindset of like my mom could do it so why can't I you know and then I never really prepared for anything I really never looked at any books or YouTube videos it was just like okay it's gonna it's gonna go I was gonna go um, but when I show up to a hospital now in Turkey, right, they have a different way of approaching birth. All women opt, at, opt in for C-section, voluntary C-section. It's just so popular there. They just go for it. They don't want positive birth. So there is no such thing as doula. There is no such thing. Well, maybe there is, but it's not. it wasn't that common. So I didn't come across it. And there, there is just it was totally different world to me. Um, but also it was a new world to me. I didn't know any different because I never been pregnant before. I never had a child before. And, um, when I showed up to a hospital with pains that weren't really contractions, they, uh, do the vaginal check and they say, okay, you're two centimeters dilated. So you have to stay, but I didn't really have an established labor at that point. I was probably in a very latent phase that could last for a week or two even. Um, but they kept me there and they started inducing me for no reason. Um, and I was induced. Um, and I also realized probably a year later that when they were checking my baby right in the um, ultrasound during the pregnancy checks, they were saying, oh, your baby's two weeks bigger, a week bigger than it should be. Maybe you eaten too much, but I wasn't eating at all. I mean, I was very, I was like, I am a light eater. And, um, but it turns out that I gave him the wrong date of the period. This is how clueless I was. I gave him the last date of my period rather than the first day. <laughs> and so when they calculate it, it seems like the baby is, you know, four, three, four, five days younger than it yeah. should be. So it, it's just, it's, it's a mess, to be honest, the way it was all handled. And I think partially because I'm not from that country and I don't know how it works. And so when I was in the hospital, they started inducing me and all those contractions were coming and then they were going and then nothing was happening and they weren't letting me eat. So I was sneakily drinking water while the nurses weren't around and the room was full of like, there were like four other women and then they were coming and going. And if, I don't know if you remember this episode where Rachel in Friends, where she said she was saying, if another woman gives birth in this hospital. And I felt exactly the same because I've seen every time new faces, they come and go. And it's because there is a strong culture of family there. And so when women starts going to labor, they don't call the hospital, they call the mom or mom-in-law and they show up and okay. start telling them everything. Don't go to hospital, use wait for contraction. So they have the doula system, but within their families. I had no one. And uh, with being was your doula, partner with you at this stage? Was he in the hospital with men you? Men weren't allowed in the room, so I was all alone with no oh, language. Okay. 
And um, so what happens after that is my labor starts really actively probably third day late in the evening when I picked up my clothes and I was about to run away from the hospital. <laughs> this is how exhausted I was. I was going down the um, corridor and I was feeling with my clothes under my armpit. Um, and I had those drips, but they allowed me to take them off so I can go to um, bathroom. So every time I come back, I just inserted back the into the plastic thing. I know it sounds horrific. <laughs> You're, so you inserted them yourself? So there wasn't even... Well, a... not the vein. So the, the needle is in the vein and there is a yeah. plastic thingy there sticking okay. out. So I just could take it out and put it back in. Um, and then when I was walking down the corridor, I was feeling, okay, I'm actually feeling super tired. I I'm so tired. I'm going to go lay down a little bit. And then if nothing's happened tomorrow morning, I'm out of here. Oh, also I forgot to say that the doctors would consistently tell me you probably need a C-section. If you don't give birth soon, you need a C-section. I was like, if you're going to give me C-section, I'm out of here. You can't force me. Then I was, I just lay down and I was talking to the lady next to me. Uh, in a very broken Turkish language and trying to understand what she tells me. And all of a sudden I hear this pop, well, here internally in my body. And I was very surprised by it. I got up and the waters broke. They just, they gushed down. And the pain from being very tolerable to above 10, like it's just 100 on a scale of 10. It was just unimaginable pain. And I started screaming and then a lot of people came in and they started uh, telling me why are you screaming and then they realized that I went into an active labor and then from that point on the um, contractions or the wave, the surges were so strong that I just felt that I can't cope with them and I start requesting for epidural. I screamed that I want epidural. Then they show up. Um, anesthesiologist with a piece of paper that I can't read through watery eyes and I'm just I'm completely out of it and she's making me sign in it and she's telling me in broken English that 80% of women will feel the effect of the epidural 20% women will not and that's why I need to sign the paper so I don't sue them later if I don't feel anything out of, from the epidural so she inserts the epidural which is very difficult because my waves from being very sporadic went very back to back almost and um, um, she inserts it and then they finish all this job. And then, and she said, okay, now you're going to feel all the relief. You're going to be okay. And I'm like, no, I'm still feeling anything, everything. Oh. And she stands in front of me and are you okay? Yeah, I'm still feeling everything. It's going to work. And then she walks away. It never did. It never did. I actually had to go into a mode of counting every surge from 30 to zero to be able to concentrate on something else and manage the pain myself. Um, then because I have the epidural, they didn't believe me when I started telling them I am in pushing stage. So they were like, no, we don't see the baby. I, I said, no, the baby is almost there. I have to get up. I have to go because there was a, a room where there was a bed and there was a labor room you have to go to another room to labor. Um, so you lay on a bed and then when you're very close, they walk you to that chair and then they get you in the chair. And so what happened is that I started standing up. So they expected me not to be able to walk with the epidural. I walked to the room myself and they were just, you know, okay, okay, let's go and see what's going on. And then I get on that chair and I start pushing um, and there is this nurse thinking that I'm high in a pedro that wasn't probably in the room seeing me walking. She started leaning on my belly to help to push. So she put in all her weight, although she was a tiny lady, on me to push the baby out. And I'm fighting her off, telling her I can push. 
but she's using all her weight and it's just incredibly painful. Oh, I've never just, heard of that before. Me neither. And I, I don't think this is used anywhere else apart from oh, medieval oh. times, maybe, and Turkey. <laughs> so <laughs> it was horrible. Anyway, the baby was born very quickly, about okay, four <laughs> Yes, but I tore because I was pushing and I just, uh, mm. I, I focused on pushing as soon as possible. And uh, the uh, doctor caught the baby and they started doing whatever. There was not much of skin to skin because how medical it all was, you know, they're not very into this kind of jazz, but I was so tired after barely eating for four yeah, days at that point that I just looked at the baby and I felt nothing. I just wanted to close my eyes and sleep. And all of a sudden they take him to NICU for, and they don't explain anything. And uh, they put me into the room and I fall asleep and that's it. And, and I wake up and then the next day I'm coming back to reality. I was, Where's my baby? Where's my baby? And then they say he had a trouble breathing. So we had to take him there. And I think he just swallowed maybe amniotic fluid or something like that. Mm. Cause it was perfectly fine to be honest, but I don't know. Maybe as a precaution, they took him there. As my ex-partner said, because we were paying customers with no insurance, they tried to get as much as they can from us probably or something like okay. that. So they might have added NICU to that. So um, I had lost a lot of blood as well. And I didn't know about that. But I realized that I did because when I got up, everything went black. Like I just, I realized that I need a moment to be, and I couldn't walk. Every time I would walk, I would be completely short of breath even like a couple of meters it was so i've never felt so tired in my life from making two steps and uh, i got to the NICU and i got the baby they gave me the baby and the lady was so rude because he wouldn't latch properly because we missed all the skin to skin contact and all the jazz he wouldn't latch properly and she would tell me if he doesn't latch we're not going to give you the, ba the baby back and i'm being young first baby i was so terrified that it wouldn't latch so i was crying at the baby and tell him come on you have to latch or they're gonna keep you here they would never keep him there but retrospectively no, say that, no, you know. but no yeah exactly so um yeah my ex had to fight for him and get all the signatures and say okay we take all the responsibility and we just stop the sneaky treatment altogether and there wasn't no, we took the baby back back home and everything was fine and i bonded with him and i started feeding him and i had a completely fine breastfeeding time with no issues whatsoever um and he was sleeping fine as well first night was tough but other than that it was other nights you know he was even sleeping getting more three four hours so i i couldn't complain it was an easy baby uh but this first few moments of birth and after birth and a day probably that i stayed there and yeah i got a tra tra blood trans um, transfusion is that yeah. what they say yeah because i really lost a lot of blood that i couldn't walk so uh, i had to get extra bloods um yeah and it's because they don't do the same as they do here here they usually count how many um how many of those i don't know cotton things the blood got soaked yeah. up with you know yeah. to know how much blood i got i lost they just didn't know i didn't hemorrhage i think i just think that i lost a lot of blood i'm not sure what happened because no one really explained to me anything um so lack of language lack of understanding what's going on their weird processes uh the epidural that didn't work they all assumed it worked uh they also left it in me for a day they took it out the day after i had a whole strip on my back uh stuck to my back and went there and sticking it it was it, yeah it was just like uh, it was awful so yeah and so did you, those 
few days then postpartum, how did you feel? I'm sure it would have taken a while to come down oh. off that. Those stress levels must have still been quite high. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, I, I think I cried a few first days. Yeah. I cried because I didn't sleep as well. The first few days I didn't sleep. I was frustrated. I didn't understand what had happened. I was super happy to be out of the hospital, but mm. I, was, I was extremely depressed the first few days. I didn't get the postnatal depression, thank God. I don't know how I didn't get it, but also I wasn't really aware of it because there is no system. Again, there is no like check like here, two weeks, six weeks. So we're very blessed in Ireland. <laughs> yeah. um, I didn't have a family per se because my ex's family, his, mom's, his mother was too, you know, too old to care as much as usually the mother-in-laws would do. My family wasn't around. So I just, yeah, it wasn't great. Uh, but the memory is a bit of a blur. I don't know at what point I felt. I think I had a friend system as well. I had a friend there very nearby that visited me probably a week later, straight after the baby was born. So she took me out for a walk and I think I felt better after that. Okay. Uh, but yeah, eight years ago, when I look back at that, I was like, wow, I wish I didn't show up at the hospital when I did. <laughs> yeah, and it sounds like there was no support. There's not the support that you need, even from no. the medical team, you know, and if, and if you know, something did go wrong, I don't know if you would have had the support that you would have needed. Maybe medically you would have, but not mentally. Not, not morally. Yeah, yeah, no. yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's it's a very strange world as well. As well, I mean, Turkey is a very strange country in terms of you know how the families are and how the medical system is. And I've seen there are very very young mothers. I mean, I was a young mother at twenty three, my first child, but I've seen like barely seventeen you know, and it's illegal in Turkey and the girl shows up to give birth and the father wouldn't be in the hospital in fear to be arrested. It's just, it's, it's drama. I mean, mm. and they put women together in the, in the, in the same room. So it's like a six bedroom. And then the, it's not even the labor room. They just, you know, labor there for some time and then they go into that chair. And so I don't know what happens if there is one woman giving birth almost and the other one is still in that room. I just don't know. I didn't think about this. And I'm glad so I didn't did have you to find give out. Birth, did you give birth lying down? Or what, what's so the So it was a 45 degree kind of chair. So it was half sitting. Okay. But it's like it's like a gynecologist type of chair, but maybe yeah. not lying down. Yeah. Which I discussed with the doctor and I said, can I not sit on that chair? But I wasn't... I think being young and being not in my country and or not speaking the language properly, I couldn't advocate for myself and ask for the birth that I wanted because I've asked them they had a, a ball because I had some idea about, you know, laboring and have yeah. a gym ball there and something. And they were like, no, you don't need this. So I moved as much as I can around. But okay. uh, yeah. Also, the drip was the oxytocin that they gave me. And then they were giving me a lot of, you know, um, I don't know what it is, the gel. Yeah, they tried all sorts of ways to induce for for I don't know why. Anyway, the baby was born probably around mark thirty eight weeks, uh, but yeah, thirty eight something. But in the documents it says thirty nine, but it's it's purely because of the miscalculation. Okay. So I'm glad that's behind me. <laughs> yes, I would say so. Oh gosh, and he's he yeah he's healthy and he's well now. Yeah, so. yeah, absolutely, absolutely, yeah. Thank God, yeah, nothing happened, so he's absolutely fine. Um, but yeah, so I didn't have any kids between him and, uh, 2019 January. So I've separated with my ex, uh, story for another podcast, <laughs> uh, but, um, so I, um, I got in a relationship with my current hus husband and we're happy and we decided to have kids. And, uh, 
so this pregnancy was also planned, the Kai, um, and uh, we were very happy to find out that I was pregnant. Um, I didn't get, I was so happy that I didn't get herpes Mrs. Gravidarium, but I was nauseous and it was nauseous all day long, but it wasn't debilitating as it was with the first pregnancy, although all my fears were like, okay, I'm going to puke all the time. And there was one day when I couldn't stop vomiting, we went to CUH emergency straight away and they gave me um, those pills, whatever they called uh to help me manage and i barely used any so it wasn't that bad i was able to go around i just hated the smell of broccoli and my husband was on that special diet where broccoli had to be roasted <laughs> in the oven every day. <laughs> so what Perfect i used timing. to do is, yeah i used to go to the bedroom and just tuck in the door with uh, a towel so I can stop <laughs> any potential smells coming through. Uh, so he could eat what he wanted and I could, you know, whatever, not to feel bad that he can't eat it in front of me. In the end, he let himself go. So he was eating whatever he wanted to eat. <laughs> the diet was over very quickly after a couple of complaints. Um, so yeah, the pregnancy overall was very good. No complaints. We went through a public system here and CUH in Cork, CUMH, I should say. And um, it was fine. Um, second trimester was fine. Third trimester, the usual, you know, the pains, the uh, ligament pain and round ligament stuff. And But overall, it was good. Uh, I was preparing. Again, I wanted the natural birth and I wanted, and I thought I was preparing better for this one. And I was getting, you know, ready. I've read a few things, but not much. You know, I was just like gearing up mainly on my own experience thinking, okay, I'm going to get through this. I know what to expect this time. And so um, I waited for the, you know, active labor, for contractions, mm -hmm. for the surges to come. I didn't show up to the hospital's door with the first signs of the pain. Um, and so one night I go to bed and on the due date night, um, I wake up with this, you know, signature contraction pain. But I was like, is it though? Is it Braxton Hicks? Doesn't feel like it. Mm, strange. So I sat on the side of the bed at night, which was probably 1 a.m., 2 a.m., 1 a.m., I'm not sure. And I started counting them. Um, they were six minutes apart or so and i waited a bit longer probably about half an hour before waking up uh jürgen my husband just to make sure that i'm not doing the same thing and going on false alarm um and then i started getting ready and i had my nail polish on my nail so i started removing them because in the hospital they say you're not supposed to have nail polish so i was like i don't know i got so obsessed about it i have to remove it before i go and while i was doing all that jürgen was packing his bag you know his t-shirt and then i was like why are you doing this now why couldn't you do it earlier my contractions are coming closer and closer and while i'm removing the nail polish and sniffing the thing <laughs> Um, it was, it's just, he just uh, looked at me and he was like, okay, okay, it's okay. We'll get there. And there's no one on the road. It's nighttime and everything's going to be okay. And, uh, we left the house with contractions about three minutes apart. Okay. So it was all going well and it was progressing. So we arrived to the hospital. They checked me probably say probably three or four centimeters dilated at the triage room. Everyone is super nice. And I'm super excited because everyone is super nice. Obviously mm. the first experience showed that people can be quite mean and have thick skin to women because they probably deliver babies every day, multiple times. So they kind of lose the empathy, but here they don't, which is super nice. I loved the labor ward people just, they're mm. amazing. 
Um, and agree. so, uh, yeah, they admit me. Um, we go into the room and then the lady, the, the, the midwife starts explaining to me, you know, the gas and everything. And I inhale a couple of times. It gets into my head straight away. And I say a couple of silly things. And then she asks me if I want to go to the pool. And I, yes, I said, I want to go to the pool, which was Brilliant. great. So I get into the pool and I start laboring there and everything is fine. And I'm not making a peep and I manage pain really, really well. And um, the midwife was, you know, checking me from time to time. The heartbeat was fine. Nothing's changing there. And then she was saying, you're very close. You're very close. The contractions were super close to each other. But at some point, they start slowing down um, a little bit. So I was having them every minute, even every 30 seconds. But at that point, I started having probably, I don't know, like one in four minutes, one in five minutes. So she's suggesting that I would get out and walk a little bit, which I did. And um, a bit of a blood started coming out. And I was like feeling, okay, it's all progressing. But the pain was getting more and more intense. And as the pain was getting more and more intense, I started freaking out. And this is where I didn't prepare myself for it. Instead of calming myself down and thinking, okay, this is how it should be, I started freaking out and the adrenaline just rushed into my bloodstream. And uh, what happened is that the pain from being manageable, but getting more intense, I was getting uh, very strong pains. And on top of everything, I'm absolutely terrified. Why is this happening so slow? Because I thought it was going to happen so much sooner. So my expectations weren't met. And yeah, and this is where it went south. Um, so we get back to the room and I'm walking and I'm looking at my husband. And I'm telling him I want to get an epidural. I don't feel I can do that. The midwife is telling me, I'm sure you can do that. You can power through it. And she was super supportive, but I was, I put it in my head that I just can't. And then he, my husband tells me, I can't decide for you. It's your decision, which I, I killed him <laughs> afterwards. I said, no, you have to have a voice as well. <laughs> <laughs> and so we just um oh, sorry what had you discussed previously had you said that you didn't want an epidural you wanted him i didn't to be i wanted full natural yes because okay. i thought the epidural might not work again while going through this yeah again. understandably yeah so uh, he says i can't decide for you and i just gave in to my fears and i said okay i want an epidural so the guy comes in and uh, the anesthesiologist and they want to insert and my my um contractions were close again mm-hmm. And it was so difficult to sit leaning forward with this huge belly. Sitting was very hard. That was a back labor as well. Uh, mm-hmm. So the position was probably sunny side up. And it's just, it was, it was horrible at that point. And because I was so terrified about how painful it is, instead of focusing on the breathing and everything, I just screamed through every contraction so loud, like someone was cutting my limb off. Um, so they insert the um, epidural and nothing's happening again. Um, And so they keep putting in more and more with syringes. And I think I had probably, they said three times the dose. Um, And it just, it wasn't working. It took the edge off. I'm not going to lie. So my kind of, my legs, they didn't go numb, numb as they would, but I could feel everything. But it's just, it just took the edge off probably. That's about it. I still was screaming. I screamed probably most of the time. And they were bringing as much as they can epidural uh, medicine. And then the anesthesiologist said, and we can try to reinsert it. I said, I can't. I can't sit any, anymore. So there's no point of reinserting it. And uh, they just said that I, my body digests the medicine sooner that it can take an effect on me. 
um, and so it probably won't ever take an effect on me. So we powered, I powered through. I was trying again to count from 30 to zero, it didn't work, probably was too high on adrenaline. Uh, so I screamed most of the time. They were telling me to breathe through the gas. I, I tried, but it was just, it, it, I was holding on to the side of the bed and screaming every contraction, waiting for the baby to come out. And then they were telling me, okay, we're gonna try to push. And I started to push in. Um, and then, um, yeah, there was a massive poop. <laughs> <laughs> that's another thing like which which happens <laughs> but happens. it was so big <laughs> that they lied to me <laughs> they lied to me they said it was tiny but i knew it was massive <laughs> i felt oh, I so bad <laughs> you do feel bad don't you but it's just yeah. totally out of your control yes it is and it's just it's it's I don't know. I felt so bad. And everyone was like, no, no, it's fine. It's fine. Oh. And I'm like, I know it's too much. <laughs> I was probably focusing on this too much. So it took away the whole thoughts from the labor and then the baby arrived quite soon. Okay. Oh, they had to uh, open waters uh, or, you know, to hook up the waters. Also, they had to pull the head with the vacuum, which left a bit of a mark on my son's head and made it slightly flat. So we had a bit of a flat head uh issue um but now he's fine like we did a lot of tummy time and we had a special pillow but yeah that kind of pre-conditioned to flathead let's put it that way mm-hmm. um so yeah generally speaking like it was it was not traumatizing this time it was more like disappointing um because after the labor i felt that i let myself down that i thought i could do it and i didn't and i thought well I, I went for epidural. I knew it was not going to work 100%. Um, everyone was telling me it took the edge off and that's why you were able to labor. And I think that maybe they're again lying to me like about poop. So I don't feel completely bad. <laughs> but yeah. But- Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bolinbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. But this time, the CUMH staff, you know, the midwives and the nurses, they were so nice and understanding. They were so supportive that I just felt great, you know, like in terms of support, in terms of yeah. how I felt. Because I, I was quite obsessed about not laboring myself because I wanted to do it naturally completely. Um, and that's probably my other downfall is that I didn't open my mind to all the situations that could happen. What would have happened if I had a C-section, like completely go into depression mode? I don't know. So yeah, so I was, um, so I was very happy that the support system was there and they talked me and they gave me the baby and we had a, a skin to skin and he latched on straight away like a pro. So everything was perfect after that. And I was so happy to be out and I was so happy that I wasn't during the pandemic because my husband was allowed to me to, into the room and they put me into a semi-private room um, despite being public. So I was very happy. We were alone. So we had our moment, you know, on our own privately. It was, it was very nice afterwards. And I was very happy to see my son born and healthy and fine. And, and I think I got over it quite quickly this time. I didn't have any issues. I had um, postpartum anxiety issue, but it wasn't really related directly in somewhat maybe, but it wasn't related directly to labor fully. Um, okay. Not induced by it, at least. Um, so, yeah. And then, I don't know what got into us, but we decided to have another baby. And I got pregnant when I was, when Kai was five months old, almost six. Um, we went out, we went away for a weekend and we got very romantic and we got very happy and lovey-dovey. And we, we said, okay, why not have another one straight away? We're in the mood, we're in the zone, we have all the diapers, we have everything. Yeah. And so we did it and it took only one night. I found out I was pregnant probably three days ago because I had a severe pain in my stomach. And I was like, okay, that's probably implantation or something because this is not normal pain. And I felt I was pregnant and I took the test probably a week and a half later and it showed a very strong pregnant. Oh, brilliant. <laughs> um, cool. Yeah. So it was straight away. Um, and this pregnancy was even easier. I almost wasn't nauseous. It was super manageable. The pains and the ligament were getting to me, but I got all the help I needed. I got physio from the hospital. Um, it was great. Um, the last probably kind of a downlight of the pregnancy is the pandemic because I was getting very anxious. The birth of the baby, third baby was born 18th of March, again on a due date, funny enough. Those two babies are very, my husband is Dutch, by the way. Maybe that's why, very <laughs> <Yeah>. punctual. <laughs> You'll have a few little accountants on your hand. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, it was all happening during the pandemic or the start of it where there was a lot of uncertainty. And so I, was, I, I wasn't sure what world am I going to bring my baby to. Mm -hmm. um, but I tried to focus as much as I can. This time the preparation was so much better. Like I read a book. 
I watched, um, you know, listened to podcasts, watched YouTube videos about hypnobirthing and all this stuff. Uh, in the book, they explained the adrenaline at work on the uterus. When you're freaking out, all the blood goes out of the uterus into the limbs. And that's why the pain goes very difficult to manage. And so I kind of started preparing myself mentally to it. But also, I prepared myself for any other outcome. So if I had to get a C-section, these are the questions that I need to ask. I prepped my husband and I told him, okay, these are the things that you need to tell me. If I tell you that I can't do it anymore, you tell me why am I doing it? That the baby is there or the baby is descending or my hips are making space for him. So shift my attention from the pain to why is this happening? Mm -hmm. And then I told him that if if they tell me that we need to get a C-section, he had a list of questions to ask if I can't do it myself. And I told him that, don't tell me that you can't ask questions. You are the father of this child and you have as much right to do it. And you have as much voice as I have in the room and probably more because I might not be able to do that. And so he had all these things on his phone, screenshotted, prepped in a special folder in the photos and and all the jazz. And every evening before, probably a week before labor, I was just, you know, asking him, did you check that? No, this situation is happening. Check your phone. And he would take his phone out and start and he roll, would roll his eyes as well. I was like, oh, come on, we're doing it again. I get it. I would make him read passages from the book as well. And he would read it and ask him, did you understand? I was nagging him big time. No, <laughs> like, so important though. You're so right. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. I just needed to know that he would have my back and that mm-hmm. if I ask him, you know, I want to get an epidural, that he wouldn't tell me it's your decision, that it would sit down and weigh all the pros and cons with me and that we make an educated decision, not based on me fearing of pain, but on us, on, you know, what's going to happen next. So 18th of March, I wake up in the morning and I'm like, damn it, I'm not, you know, it's due date and I didn't give birth yet and I don't want to be pregnant. <laughs> yeah, I'm still pregnant. And this time we went private as well because we wanted to see one doctor. We didn't want to see different people in the care. We decided to go private. Um, and so the doctor knew my birth plan and my preferences. Um, and he was great. And um, he also told me that because of the pandemic, they wouldn't want me to go over too much because they don't know what's going to happen. So it's better to labor as soon as possible. So we agreed that if due date comes and I don't labor, maybe he can do a sweep because I, was, I, didn't, I wasn't against the sweep. I'm not against any intervention, but I wanted to do it as natural as possible and wait until you know, there is no any other way. Because he was telling me, let's do a sweep on some uh, last appointment. And I told him, how, you know, what's the risk if we don't do it? And that's the language from the book as well. And I was like, there is no risk, but if you don't want to do it, let's not do it. Um, I said, no, I don't want to do it. Let's wait. And then we agreed that after the due date, it will happen. So in the morning of 18th of March, I was like, oh my God, no. And then I have to have another conversation and my husband come going, can't go with me. So I was going to the, yeah, I was going all alone in there and it was a strange time and you, you know, keep your distance, um, from everyone. And then people cough and then people were doing weird stuff, wearing two pairs of gloves. You know, there was a lot of anxious pregnant women. God bless them, you know, showing up to doctor's appointment, you know, with masks, with, you know, gloves, with, and then you can see their hands were raw from, you know, all this sanitizing. Anyway, so um, I go downstairs and because schools were canceled, um, I needed to come up with some school 
schedule with my son. So we're talking with my son uh, on the March of 18th about a school schedule, what we're going to do, how we're going to do the homeschooling. And we called it academic time and we agreed into some, you know, time slots and, um, and he was super happy. And then I felt so strangely not sick, but like nauseous and tired. And I felt off. And I said, okay, I'm going to go upstairs and lay down and we'll revisit this whole schedule with you later. And he said, okay. Um, and then I go upstairs and I see a pile of clean laundry and I started laying down. I started, you know, putting it back into the wardrobe and this feeling wasn't going away. It wasn't really feeling nauseous. It was just like kind of, I don't know how to describe it. It was, um, some tension but not pain or contraction around my abdomen area and my back and it wasn't like a contraction pain that would come and go it was just there lingering it's like a tired muscle but not quiet i don't know and i for some reason i looked at my husband who was working from home at that stage as well and i said i think i'm in labor he was so happy he was like okay i'm telling my boss my, my wife is in labor and he just switched off the laptop. <laughs> I was like, wait, we don't know yet. <laughs> um, so he was like, it's okay. If, if it's a false alarm, it's false alarm. Just come back to him when the meeting is over and tell him it was a false alarm. <laughs> I just didn't want to go to one specific meeting. I don't know why. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and so um, shortly after, probably I started getting those pains, contraction um like pains like braxton hicks but a bit more intense a bit more pronounced and then i tell him and it was like shortly like i'm talking about 15 minutes after i talked to him and i said okay i probably am on labor and so we agreed that we're gonna set up a nice place in in our ensuite bathroom and the shower so he put a towel in there he put some candles music dim the lights close the curtain here, um, you know, and just uh, put the uh, diffuser and I was hooked up on eucalyptus scent and I was just sniffing it away. And um, it was just great, you know, and I felt so comfortable and the warm water on my back, it was just great. And I didn't feel specifically, it, it was intense, but it wasn't painful, if that makes sense. It wasn't like, oh my God, this is a pain of my life. It was like, no, 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 it's just, it's just muscle contracting and releasing. That's what it is. And I had the right thoughts in my head and it was perfect. And at some, probably an hour later. So that was starting probably 9.30, an hour later, 10.30 or about 11. I got out of the shower because it was very difficult for me to stand at that point. It was just, I wanted to rest and lay down. So I laid down for a second and realized I can't lay down. Um, because my body just said no. Um, it was too uncomfortable to lay down and too painful all of a sudden. So I had to get up and I sat on the ball and I was sitting on it. And because I was in the shower with all the warm water and with all the ambient music and my husband being also supportive and telling me all the right words, I did not feel how fast I progressed from there to actually active labor. I was in such active labor with probably three minutes apart contractions and they were intense um, so I quickly changed my clothes and um, I told him to call the hospital and uh, I switched on the tv just to watch something and not to think about what's going on um, and just wait out those contractions with some silly show by the way i didn't switch on anything i couldn't <laughs> like i would switch on and then contractions start so i had this netflix profile users that's that's about how far i got <laughs> the right and, intentions, uh, though. 
yeah and then he called uh the hospital and they started telling him you know during covid it's best that you don't come without active labor just make sure and he says okay we'll we'll probably call you again in half an hour um and then 10 minutes later i said no we have to go this is i don't know if we're gonna make it actually um so what were you and, feeling at this stage that that made you say that to your husband um because i started feeling that this whole the the surges were so close to each other that you know i didn't even have time to do anything or say full phrase so i was like okay this is i i couldn't even talk through them at that point um it wasn't that intense yet it got even more intense when we arrived to the hospital but i was just worried that we might not have enough time to get to the hospital because we live in middleton and the hospital is cmh it's probably about 40 minutes and it's daytime so we we weren't sure it wasn't a full lockdown yet so cars on the street yet um so it's only schools that weren't on were were closed at that point and lockdown was very soon after um so we he calls the hospital says we're on the way we go downstairs and while i'm walking the more i walk the 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 more intense the contractions were getting so i got downstairs i put my shoes on well i I should say my husband put my shoes on (laughs) um on me and then yeah i couldn't talk my son was like are you okay are you okay and i just couldn't answer him i had to wait out the contraction and then answer him that i'm okay and tell him that the baby's arriving so we sat in the car and i think that was my biggest fear at that point is that sitting for me was so difficult because it was another back pain another back labor and i just couldn't proper sit properly but um i kind of sat half in half out like half bum on the chair half not had the the belt in a way that i don't know wasn't anywhere and we just drove away and my husband was still talking to me i was talking to him back and he was okay and he was touching me you know trying you know touching my knee you know touching my back and trying to help me and drive at the same time and uh, at some point i didn't want him to touch me at all that's it like don't touch me and i went and i i closed my eyes because i didn't want to focus on the road i want to focus on how i feel which helped me to manage my contractions and not scream in pain and i was just thinking to myself the baby is descending and my hips are widening and it needs space and it's 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 a bit of a painful process but it's necessary for the baby to come out so let's help the baby breathe and so i was taking deep breaths and my uterus was getting all the oxygen it needed and so it was stretchy enough to do that and the contractions and whatnot so i was very I was very good how with how I managed in the car, but when I didn't let my husband touch me, he realized that's it. She's way too close and we're way too far from the hospital. And he he said he drove very fast, faster than police allows. <laughs> the guards allow, but we had to. So we arrived to the hospital and at the reception, they start asking loads of questions. And I think I transitioned at the reception. I started pacing back and forth while he's trying to check me in. And um, I just was thinking to myself, I can't do it anymore. This is too much. I don't want to do it anymore. Please take this baby out of me. Um, And I was pacing back and forth. At some point I got on my four on reception uh, because that's how it felt most comfortable. Then I got up and then the lady, 
she's so nice, but she looked at me and she asked me, how do you feel? And I was just oh, going <laughs> to puke. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> yeah. I just, I couldn't talk anymore. I was yeah. quite, quite intense. And, you know, during the transitions, probably the moment is where it's the hardest, I think. Absolutely. Yeah. And, yeah. um, so the nurse comes, I don't know what happens quite. So they tell my husband to go repark his car or something. I don't know what, what point he disappeared and I was in the triage room. So I was in the triage room and she's asking me to hop on the couch and I can't lay down. I just can't. It's very difficult. And then they're trying to ask me COVID questions as in, do you have a cough or a fever? And they have to wait for like my contraction for me to answer. Then they ask me another question. Then they have to wait for me to breathe through another one so I can answer their questions. And I was trying to fight for myself and do them. I can't get on the couch. Check me. I don't know how you want to check me, but I can't. And then she said, but I can't assess you if you're not on the couch or the whatever, the gurney, whatever it's called. I got on it and it was very tough. It was quite annoying. It didn't feel natural at all. It's, it was like I was laying down on two basketballs, one under my bum, the other one under my back. And it's just, it was just, I felt, it felt so wrong being in labor and being on my back. But I, I said, okay, I'll endure that. So she uh, checks me and she tells me seven centimeters and walks away. So I got up very quickly. And, uh, oh yeah, she also asked me, do I need to push? And I said, no, I didn't. Um, and then she leaves. So I'm alone in this tiny triage room in CMH and I'm trying to put my underwear on. And then I feel a strong urge to push all of a sudden. And I wanted to scream, I need to push. Um, but I couldn't. The only thing that came out of my mouth was a roar which apparently my husband heard because he had parked the car and was standing outside and wasn't allowed into the triage room with me uh, because of all these restrictions. Yeah. And so the probably four or five midwives right there are decide, deciding whether I'm delivering in the triage room or there is time to bring me down to the labor ward. Um, and I refused point blank to deliver in the triage room. The room was too small and I needed my husband there. Um, so they bring this chair and they make me sit on it. And again, sitting at that point was like, it's a massive no for me. My body was just totally against it. Um, so it was a fight mentally between me. Okay, I have to sit down and my body's telling me, what are you doing? You're about mm -hmm. to labor and the baby won't be able to come out in that position. Anyway, so I sat down again, probably, probably on my hip rather than my bum. <clears throat> So leaving space for the baby because the baby was descending um, probably at that point. And um, they rushed out from the triage room and I see my husband's face. He was pale because he heard a roar. He thought the worst had happened. So yeah. he's standing there with my back. No one is talking to him. No one has time because everyone's focusing on me, understandably. And I think one midwife ran down the stairs to tell, oh, they also didn't admit me. There is no paperwork, nothing, just zero. I didn't have this thing on the hand that they usually put, uh, the, uh, you know, the admission number, yeah. whatnot. So zero, nothing was done. I'm like, okay, we admit her later. Um, so one running down the stairs, we're going into the elevator. The elevator is slow. For some reason, didn't work straight away. So they going down. My husband just standing in the corner, completely terrified. Um, then the elevator door opens, the midwife screams at them, what took you so long? <laughs> and then they God. bring you to the labor ward. <laughs> um, so I, the second they get me into the labor room, I get out of that godforsaken chair and I walk to the bed 
and I just put my hands into the bed and that's it. That was my position, the way I labored. It was standing up. And so two midwives were working on me, trying to find the heartbeat. And my, I don't remember that already, but my husband said that he tried to take my shoes off and my knickers off. Uh, but I was so far in labor that my knickers were hanging on off one leg and the shoes stayed on. I uh, didn't have time to take them off. And they didn't, and also they didn't get the heartbeat of the baby. So they were looking for it, but the baby was so low uh, in the birth canal that they couldn't pick it up. And when the next surge started, you know, they just didn't have. So my husband, you, was like, oh my God. There. Yeah, yes. Yeah. And my husband was like, oh my God, they didn't hear the heartbeat. So his perspective was terrifying. He was yeah, like, I can imagine. Oh. He was so scared. And I was there just standing and they're, they're telling me, okay, well, the next you, you can push. And so I'm pushing. And then I think they screamed at me, telling me to stop pushing or something. I don't really quite remember, but I was so eager to meet my baby. Inside, I had so many positive emotions, like, oh my God, it's there. I'm doing it all by myself. There is no epidural. So I'm just going through everything in my head is just like a huge amount of happiness there. And so I completely missed the point where they told me stop pushing. So I tore, <laughs> but it's because I didn't pay attention and I was just too eager. Um, the baby was born very quickly. It was three and a half labor from the moment the first pain started to when the baby was there. It was 12.35 or 38 or 28. I don't remember exactly the time. And uh, he was in my hands and it was an amazing moment. I got on the bed. Um, and I love how in CUH they always try to support you because when they start stitching me, oh, also, also my doctor wasn't there on time. So they waited for my doctor who <laughs> privately I paid for and didn't deliver my baby <laughs> to come and stitch me up at least. <laughs> yeah, did you have a second degree tear? Was it a second or third? Um, sorry? It was the second degree oh, tear, yeah, was it? Uh, probably second, second or third, okay. second. Um, so they were saying... Um, no, no, it's tiny. It's, it's just this much, this much, you know, because I asked how much did I tear? And I was like, no, it's just this much. And then my partner said, it was like up to your arse. <laughs> <It was like, laughs> That's what they're good for. You know, those bits that you forget or choose to forget. <laughs> yeah, they see but, those things that we don't. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then, you know, obviously it was just, it was like, it was, I don't really remember this all correctly, probably in the right consequence, the last few moments when the baby was there, when I got in my hand, when they started stitching me up. But what I remember really well is that after they finished stitching, when the doctor came and he was like, oh, right on a due date, ha ha ha, and laugh, a couple of laughs. And then he stitched me up and then they checked the blood, you know, how many, how much blood did I lose and how I felt. And they gave me a bit of a pain relief. And then uh, I got up and I walked. Mm -hmm. And I felt so empowered. I think I could have gone and run a marathon after this. That's how energized I felt after that, that labor. And my husband just kept telling me how proud he was. Mm. And uh, he was, you know, I was holding the baby and then he was holding the baby and then I was holding the baby. And then they said that he had to leave because of COVID. He wasn't allowed upstairs, uh, which kind of, you know, it was a bitter, but it was okay. Um, <clears throat> on a retrospective, I think he didn't really bond with the baby as well because he missed this few hours. Um, you know, when you're sitting in the room together and he's yeah. holding the baby while I'm sleeping. So I didn't really sleep 
well because I was with the baby most of the time and because I didn't have any C-section or anything, the nurses were paying attention to the moms that need more support, which just understandably, I didn't need any support. Um, I just uh, needed some sleep, which I wasn't really getting because I couldn't hand over the baby to anyone. But uh, other than that, really, I think this was just an amazing way to you know i don't know i just felt so empowered so happy so strong so so feminine but yet so so you know so i don't know i felt like a goddess after delivering the baby um and i just felt that yeah we all can do it obviously there is medical i'm not against medical interventions i'm not against anything of that but if there is no reason for me personally to get any of that i prefer not to um, and so it canceled out my other two births or the feelings against it. And I was like, okay, I, it's like I proved to myself that yeah. I can deliver uh, the baby into this world without any um, medical support. Sounds like I'm completely obsessed about it, but it's just, it was my dream to deliver no, natural. No, um, so I don't want to sound like I'm against it or I'm judging people that go for epidurals and they don't want to deliver naturally. No, by, by all means, no. I just, I just want it to be this way and it did happen. And so if I had to um, kind of give a word to each of my labors, that would be traumatizing, disappointing, and empowering. So that's, that's kind of my three labors. Uh, labor stories <laughs> I love what you said there just a, a moment ago you said I felt so feminine I felt like a goddess like it's lovely to hear you say that because a lot of people are because I felt the exact same on both my labors but you would nearly be embarrassed to say it but you've just said it so comfortably and it's lovely to hear that rather than being shy about saying it because that's how we should feel if if we want to go down that route that's how we should feel we should all yeah. be entitled to that at least yeah 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 i agree i agree and i'm 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 not shy at all and i think partially because my husband also is quite a feminist um i mean he cooks in the house 99 percent of the time and when we discuss this i always ask him like do you feel less of a man that you cook and i don't and i was like no we don't have a gender yeah you know thing in our house and so he was he was absolutely happy uh to see me achieving my labor goal um and that and and he he was supporting me and he was telling me he made me feel as well as a goddess because he nearly worshipped me after that he was just he wasn't so much crying about the baby being born because he didn't have time to you know to move from anxiety stage to that but he was more like i i cannot believe you did it you you were amazing my shoes were completely drenched uh my water broke right before the baby was born so my shoes were completely drenched and all that uh my niggers were gone into the rubbish bin (laughs) obviously i didn't have naturally yes naturally yeah yeah um so yeah so it's just you know it's just he was looking at me like absolutely the strongest person out there and when I was seeing myself in his eyes like this I felt this way as well so I think like you said before partner support is a lot he did give me grief though for uh, lecturing him on what to tell me and when because I didn't need all that (laughs) (laughs) that's true yeah (laughs) no but I know I I completely agree it's like it's teamwork it's not just you doing the work as well they need to be fully prepared because sometimes as as you know you just can't speak you can't voice what you need so i think you're 100 percent right you told your story so well i'm glad you got the labor the birth that you that you wanted yeah 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 Yeah, because for me it was the last baby we're not gonna have any more babies you know purely because you know financially maybe or we're not ready ourselves i mean we're happy to have three kids 
Um, he adopted my oldest. Uh, so, oh, lovely. You know, yeah, you know, we're not we're not going to go for more babies because well, I'm tired as well. You know, it's just uh, sleepless nights and back to back toddlers, really. So yeah. I have two under two, um, maybe down the line. But I don't think so, because there is a lot that we want to achieve ourselves as, you know, people. And I don't want to be babysitting babies <laughs> all my life. No. So I don't think we're going to have other babies. So for me, it was super important to nail it right this time. Um, but also I was a lot more open to any other intervention out there. So if I had to get C-section, I will be open for it, but I have to ask the right questions. I have to exhaust yeah. Yeah. Uh, any possibilities of having a natural birth and not allow um, doctors or medical staff to go through the easiest route. Not that they do, but they can. Um, and so, and I don't know how much easier a C-section is, but maybe if the doctor on call sitting waiting for 12 hour labor rather than, you know, uh, 30 minutes C-section. I don't know. I don't know. It's it, like, I hear stories about doctors that pushing mm -hmm. women to do something that they don't want to do. Um, but yeah, so as long as we could exhaust any possibilities and that we ask the right questions and that my husband is there prepared for this, um, then yes. And I felt a lot comfortable knowing that he would ask all those questions that is going to fight for me. And he has no shame. He's going to say to be no to people. He can say no yeah. to people. Sometimes I'm like, oh, you're a bit too rude. I was like, what? Yeah. I said, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the first birth, yes, was traumatizing, but it was leading towards, okay, my next birth, I need to nail it. And I think the second birth really showed the gaps in my knowledge and how I prepare. And so it's great, you know, in a way, those two labors prepared me for my third labor. Cool. Thank, Thank you, you for having time. me. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. If you'd like to share your story, you're more than welcome to. Simply pop me an email to irelandsbirthstories at gmail.com or you can find me on Instagram under irelandsbirthstories. I look forward to bringing you another episode next week. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.